We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you guys listen to another episode of the Corner Podcast, make sure you guys show your support for the show by clicking on patreon.com slash the corner podcast and showing support for both Andreas and myself. We're trying to bring you guys exclusive content for the new year. That means exclusive shows, guest interviews, fan appreciation episodes, a little bit of everything on a weekly basis. And the way you get that is by signing up on patreon.com slash the corner podcast. There's different tiers, whether you guys want to donate $5, $10, or $15 a month. You guys get exclusive content and access to us, yes, both Andres and I, every single week. And this way, we can bring you guys the stuff that you want, such as merch, live shows, and even bigger episodes of The Corner Podcast in 2019. Thank you guys for your support. Now let's get into this week's show. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Craziness this week. I feel like there's so much for us to talk about and so little time that we get with you guys this week, but we're going to try to fit it all in. Kel Dansby here, the old man Andreas Hale on the other end of the call. Andre, we got to start out. We're at StarCast, baby. StarCast. Yeah, man, it, it took us a little while to make that formal announcement, but it's, that's what's been in the works for the past two months. So um, tomorrow we'll make our announcement of what the, the topic of the show is, who our guests are, um, in details. But yeah, if you're in Vegas for StarCast, myself and Kel will be uh, hosting a live show with special guests that is free, 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 free. You don't need a StarCast bracelet, which actually kind of works in our favor. The more that I thought about it, originally 
I wanted to be a part of that Caesars Palace lineup that was getting streamed on Fight TV. But then I thought about it, and I was like, well, how many people, you know, are that we know that we're they're going to be interested in our show are going to be paying for those bracelets? And I don't think it's that many. Yeah. So I think it's better that we have a show that's free to the public. Um, that's part of the Tuscany Suites. They're doing their live show uh, in conjunction with Viceland. Viceland will be showing all the uh, installments of Dark Side of the Ring, while people like myself and Kel, um, I know Stevie Ray's doing a show. I believe Taz is doing a show. There's not a ton of them, but we're part of it. So we are the black representation at StarCast this year. Uh, I know a lot of people complained the last year that there was no minority representation. So, man, stay tuned because tomorrow we got the big announcement and we appreciate the support. And that's how we got here. Yeah, man, it really is. I, I think what, it was two months ago you asked people on this here show to go and hit up Conrad and tell him that you want uh, minority representation and specifically tell him that you want us on StarCast. And we were just trying to create that viral momentum, you know, that social media movement. And lo and behold, the shit worked. Yeah, man. So it was a combination of a few things. Between that, um, I met Conrad in Arizona for Royal Rumble weekend uh, and got a chance to sit around with him and Bruce Pritchard for a little while and talk. But I didn't bring up the podcast at the time. Uh, but a, a friend of mine who uh, works at Fight TV had mentioned the podcast and said, you know what, you should make a pitch. Uh, made a pitch. Conrad was like, I would be happy for you, to you guys. And he was like, and I've noticed that you guys have had your uh, listeners hit me up. So, boom, here we are. It's happening. Just that easy. Now, the hot takes are flowing. <sighs> I got two weeks to gather myself, collect all this hot take energy. No, nah, don't worry, Dre. All the hot take energy will come out that Thursday. Yeah, that's what so, I was about to say. Save it for Thursday. <laughs> we're going to have a very nice, and we'll discuss the details for StarCast. You know, I, I'm, you know it's going to be mild takes, but we're going to have some good topics that Saturday. Uh, that Thursday, yeah, it's going to be reckless. It's going to be wild. It's going to be Old Man Andreas stories. I'm, I'm telling you, we're pulling out all the good ones. Um, and it's going to be fun, man. It's, it's going to be all of us sitting around talking. You guys are going to be as much a part of the show as we are. That's going down uh, downtown Las Vegas, Thursday, May 23rd, Nerd Bar, The Corner, and Friends live podcast. Uh, two other good podcasts there opening up for us. Uh, funny guys and girl <laughs> in uh, one of the podcasts. So that, that's going to be great. Uh, man, 7 to 11 that night. Drinks, just good, fun. You, could, you guys get to sit there and watch me whoop up on Old Man Andreas Hale on some video games. That's and and that's, that's heavy talk. But they got the Nintendo there, they got the uh, the Sega Genesis set up, and they got the old school arcade games. So he, he's going to get this work in something. You know, I know he's a seasoned veteran. I, I hear it all the time on this podcast, and people talking shit to you, and you just whooping them, and them getting mad. It ain't going down, Dre. You're taking this L. Well, I mean, you can choose to get mad or not to get mad. That's one, You're going to lose. So you just got to decide the, the emotions that you're going to show me after you lose. So you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going to lose. Oh, uh, we will film. You know what, Drake? I'm so confident. We will film our one-on-one -on -one video game battle and put it on the Patreon. We will put it on the YouTube. We'll put it on the Patreon just so the people can see you, see your face when you have to lose to me and the disbelief in your face. It's like when the taker lost, when the streak ended, that's how your face is going to look. This is a bad idea for you, but all right, we're proud to you. We, we can do it. Yeah, so we're going to post that, man. It's going to be a crazy week. So much fun coming up. 
Uh, ton of announcements still coming up. So you guys, thank you. I just got an email that the merch is moving. So we should have the merch by that weekend. Uh, everyone who subscribes to Patreon, you guys get your shirt for free. So tell me your sizes. Message me on Patreon. Give me your addresses. Those will be coming out to you guys. So uh, yeah, more merch information coming out as well. It's a crazy two weeks we're gearing up for. So uh, I'm glad, Drake, that I got kind of a one relaxing day in Puerto Rico this week. Yeah, you may. I mean, damn, how many hours you spent out there? 20, 12? How yeah. long did you spend? I was in Puerto Rico 20 hours, and total flight time, I was at 22 hours. Hmm. So I flew from here to New York, from New York down to Puerto Rico, and then did that, got to Puerto Rico like Monday at. I left here Sunday night, got to Puerto Rico Monday at noon, dropped my grandma off, ate some good food, went to the beach, made sure she was okay. Got back on the plane Tuesday at noon, got to Vegas again, uh, what, Tuesday at like 11 p.m. That's wild. I don't think I've ever in my entire life spent more time in the air than in the location I was going to. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've done crazy things, but I I don't think I've ever done that. I think... When I interviewed for BET, I, I took a red eye to BET that morning. I landed at 6 a.m. and I flew back to Vegas at 8 p.m. after my interview. But that's still longer than the time that I was in the air. That's 10 hours in the air, 12 hours I was there. So, I, yeah, more power to you. I don't know how you do it. That's crazy. Yeah, no, nah, it, it was crazy. The time differences got me. I called out of the station. Like, I was like, yo, I'm not coming into work on Wednesday. I can't do it. So, I just chilled here and got some work done. And we got a lot of good stuff ready for the for the live shows and, and I was able to pump out that content and chill because yeah I was I was dead ass tired. Flying first class definitely helped though. Woo! Oh, yeah. yeah, it's my first time flying first class. Your boy was feeling it. First off, they act like they never seen a black man in joggers and a bullet club t shirt before. So I walk up, the lady scanning my, my boarding pass mad hard to make sure. Like, no, what am I gonna do? Fake a boarding pass? Like, listen, B, you, you scan that and you scan it right. I'm getting to first class, kicking my feet up. They kept bringing me drinks. I can't turn down a drink. It's just not in my nature. So he'd be like, you want another one, sir? I was like, keep them coming. So I had like five gin and tonics per plane. It's not bad. And the last one, I think they snuck me a tequila, which is all bad. So I didn't black out, but it was, it was close. It was dangerous. I tasted a bit of tequila in that. Um, yeah, man. So it was a crazy couple of days for me. This week started off wild and we had a lot of combat sports this weekend beforehand. We were both at a fight. Well, I, I was at a fight. You were running around behind the scenes of the fight. We, we yeah. had, we were at two different fights. I'll tell people that, like, nah, y'all, oh, you and Dre were at the fight. No, no, no. We we're at two completely different fights. I sat there and I sat in my seat and I watched the fight. Dre was in a whole different atmosphere, a whole different world. Um, so you got to tell us all about that here in a second, but as always, we had some wild shit that goes down and social media was buzzing and we have topics to talk about before we get into the combat sports. First and foremost, the headline of headlines this week, Aisha Curry, Red Table Talk. Dre, everyone see the clip by now? One, we'll talk about how Steph should feel about these comments in a second, but is it okay for a married woman to want attention from other men? Yes. I mean, this is really simple. Apparently, people who have not been married don't understand what happened. They don't get it. Like, anybody who says they don't want attention from the opposite sex is a fucking liar. And I'll just start off with that. Like, 
if you're even if you're married, it's nice to know that somebody is interested. That doesn't mean that you're going to go cross the street and do some dirt. But I think every woman wants to be desired by the opposite sex. And same with men. If men are going to sit there and say, no, nah, man, I'm in love and I don't I don't want women to say that I'm a handsome man. You're a liar. You're a straight up liar. So for, <laughs> so for her to say this, I mean, I think it's OK. It's not, she's not saying she wants to go cheat on Steph Curry. I think there's a certain level of maturity that comes along with this as well. Because um, people who haven't been married are the ones who are flipping out about this. Um, and there, there are some people who are married that I, I think are delusional that are also flipping out, out about this. Oh, I can't believe she said she, she wants to be a thought. No, she didn't say all that. She just said that she would like to feel like she was desired. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Do you think there's something wrong with that? I, I personally don't, but I've, I've experienced both ends of this. So, like now, I am with a woman who I've seen, like, when was it? Like two years ago? Kind of when we broke up for that month. If you guys are new to the podcast, just go back and wind it. You, you hear about all my crazy uh, relationship stuff. Uh, but two years ago, before we were engaged, before we were married, when we broke up for like a month and a half, I saw this wave, this typhoon of men pop up out of nowhere and start liking all her shit on Instagram. All of it. People I knew. I'm like, yo, fam. Like, I know you. Like, we're friends. What are you doing? So, like, her her Instagram likes went from 40 to, like, 160 per picture. And I was like, oh, that's, that's crazy. So, I can understand. Like, I've been on that side of, like, no, I'm not naive. Like, yeah, if we broke up tomorrow, all these guys are on you. I get it. So even now that she's married, it's like, yeah, people should find you attractive. I find you attractive. Hell, so if other people have eyes, that should be the case. Like, I never take offense to that. But on the flip side of this, when I was married the first time, at some point, my ex-wife said some wild shit like that. I, I don't remember the exact way she phrased it. But she, like, started wearing makeup. Like, you know, like, IG-style makeup and shit. Um... And like YouTube tutorial makeups. And then she wanted to have like more weave in her hair. And I really never liked weave. But I was like, all right, whatever. So she started to like doll herself up a little more. And I was like, all right, cool. And she was just like, and at this point, we were at a, a position of, okay, are we going to be together and sign a new lease and get a new crib and do all this shit? Or what are we going to do? What's our next step? And then she was like, yo, I'm going back to Kansas City. I want to be around my family. And, um, I said, okay, cool, no problem. I'll go back with you. And then when we got there, the dolling up kept going, and then she got more attention from guys at work, and then that attention and that shit led to a whole myriad of problems. Like, we, we, I mean, it led to, like, just, like, cheating and uh, work husbands and, you know, other people at her job saying, like, yo, these two people are hooking up and blah, blah, blah. And I remember one specific time she came home and had the audacity, which is still banana because we're cool now. And I was like, what kind of shit is this? She came home and she was like, oh, well, me and whatever, David, I think the dude's name was. Me and David went to Taco Bell. He told me to Taco Bell, blah, blah, blah. And then we came back and we ate in the break room. So in Kansas City, mind you, this break room is the basement, right? And that's like their little call center shit. The break room was downstairs. And she was like, oh, and people were spreading rumors that we were hooking up, but we were just eating and all this shit. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why are you telling me this, fam? And why are other people thinking this? Because even the perception 
of you being a married woman and them thinking this is bad enough. And she fed into that shit to the point of when it actually happened, I wasn't even surprised. I was just like, yeah, like, I would say the shit hit me like a ton of bricks, but it didn't. Everyone else has been saying this anyway. My thought process was, oh, you've been smashing or like his attention been doing this to you. So I wasn't, I wasn't like bewildered by it, but it started with something small, kind of like this Aisha Curry comment. Now Aisha Curry's probably smarter and what, I mean, whatever. She's more mature. She's not going to go off the deep end and just start smanging it around and being an IG thought. But I've seen it where that little bit of attention, like you crave a little attention. Then someone gives you a little attention. And then, okay, I want a little more attention. And then that shit leads you down the deep end. Well, let's see. Let me let me, let me go over a couple things. One. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot to unravel. Right? Yeah, well, I've been because, through some shit. Well, the thing is, is, is this. Like, one... It, the total comp- context of that conversation was Aisha Curry talking about postpartum, having a baby, not feeling attractive, something Correct. that a lot of women go through. Same thing in my situation. My ex actually had postpartum depression, also, which kind of led to our divorce. It was a whole bunch of shit. But yes, that also, which is why I was sympathetic with her painting her face all of a sudden. Well, well so, so here's the thing. It's not like Aisha Curry goes on Instagram or Twitter or whatever and doesn't get a lot of likes. Right. She still gets thousands of likes. Yeah. Right. And I, I kind of liken this to um, being a writer like me being a writer saying that, you know, I hope people read my shit. And I know that there's thousands of people that read my shit, but nobody comments on my shit. You, if this makes sense. So it's like there is a certain level of security that Aisha Curry has. It's like, are you liking me because I'm Steph Curry's wife or do you think I, you know, do you think I'm a nice looking woman? And, and women have esteem issues coming out of pregnancy. It's not like she's changing how she looks. Yeah. Like I encourage is one of those women who has actually railed against women who thought themselves out. Right. Yep. She's been very vocal about that. So I don't I don't take any issue with this with a woman who wants attention, but not saying that like if she was like, yeah, I want dudes to be on my jack. That's a problem. But if, if it's to say that I want to feel attractive, like my husband, like she kind of made it clear. She's like, my husband, they be on him. And I'm looking at me like, yo, what's wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't mean that you want, like, I don't think, like, if my wife goes out and she's dressed nice, I don't think she's out there looking for another husband, mm-hmm. right? I think she's out there and she wants to look nice. And women like to be complimented by both men and women. Yep. They like that. So it's like, there's nothing wrong with what she said. And people was like, oh, she's trying to thought. I just think it's, it's a maturity level. Like, you know, if you haven't been with a woman who's been pregnant and gained the baby weight and had to deal with the postpartum depression and then says, you know, and worry. Like, if you've been with one, you know what it's like. You know that they say that they look at themselves and they feel bad about how they look, even though they may still be beautiful to you. Yeah. It, it's really a mental thing. And you can say it as much as you want. Like yeah, you, you can compliment and all this stuff, but it's really, it really is on how they feel and the little things that make them feel better. Right. So it's, it's a security thing. And, and, and it's not, you know, people's like, oh, she's super insecure. All people are insecure to a degree, some more so than, than others. But it's just like it's a little attention. Like if you feed in that attention, then clearly you don't need to be married. Right. Like that, that's the <laughs> like if you if you want attention because you're looking for another person, you don't need to be married. Like go do that shit on your own. But it's like everybody wants to look nice. Everybody wants to be complimented. And I think that's okay. So when she made those comments publicly, people was like, oh, this is going to mess with Steph Curry. I think he's pretty confident being a multimillionaire, future Hall of Famer, two-time MVP, 
probably about to carry the Warriors to another title with KD hurt. I think he's all right. I think he's cool. I don't think he's too much worried about Aisha Curry dipping out on him. She would be more concerned about him dipping out on her. Which is kind of like what, you know, I even got from that statement. Not that she's worried about him being tempted. It's just, it's so much that is there. And she wants to know that, okay, you know what? These girls aren't offering him something else that I don't have. So (laughs) her getting attention from men may not be for her wanting that attention from them at all or to entertain them. But to know that, okay, I'm on par with these other women who are getting all this attention from men, but seeking my husband's attention. So I I don't want him to feel like he's missing out on something, which is something that goes back to, you know, when you get married young, that's the other aspect of this. Because a lot of people who are married at the right age, they go, they have their whole phase or whatever people want to call it, or they go, they, you know, they, they learn what they like, they experience different relationships, all this stuff come back together and then you can say something like this and it's like, cool, she's not missing out on anything. He's not missing out on anything. But them being together from young and, and me, my relationship when I was young and getting into that. And uh, I mean, you you and your wife have been together forever and all of these are different. It's just an interesting dynamic to look at of where does she, one, think she's missing out on something? I don't think that's the case. But does she probably worry like, yo, I think he's, I wonder if he says he's missing out on something. Right. And right. now I had kids, my body's changed, and a million, you know, chicks who look like Megan Thee Stallion are hitting on him in every city. Is he going to say, yo, I've never experienced this. What am I missing? Exactly. Exactly. And then that's, again, it comes down to that maturity thing. Because it's like, you know, once upon a time, you may have been a dude that was looking for the Megan Thee Stallions and the, the you know, the Cardi B type bodies and the Kim Kardashians. But then when you get older, you're like, the hell do I want that shit for? Because this really comes down to wanting more than what somebody just looks like. Like Aisha Curry, it's not like she is wearing bikinis going, why doesn't anybody like me? She's just dressing like a regular woman. And saying, she is beautiful, though. Yeah, but it's She's hard for her cute. to see it. Yeah. You know, it's hard for her to see it because, you know, she has gained weight since having the baby. It's not bad weight. Listen, I like thick Aisha. What up? Well, you like, you know, you like yeah. big. Listen, you know, man. Saying, I... Like some feet. Yeah, but, but the whole point is go. the whole point is that that she looks at herself as being different than what she was when she first got with Steph Curry, right? Yeah. And that's really all. Like bodies change, man. Like come on, as dudes, and it's funny because dudes be saying the same stuff. But yo, I know a lot of y'all dudes be trying to dress fresh, and you be having a big ass guts, and look, be looking crazy out here, and you you want attention, like the original wanna... Gucci man body. Yeah, so I'm saying you're having your dad body. Like dudes, we don't go like. Come on, man. Like a lot of y'all go to the gym. Y'all don't go to the gym because you want muscles. You want to go to the gym because you so you look good in your clothes. Mm-hmm. And you want somebody to think that you look good in your clothes. Like, y'all gotta relax with this Aisha Curry stuff. It ain't that serious. Now if she cheats on them, all this that I said is null and void. We can yeah, just yeah. go it all out the window. <laughs> but I just feel like those comments are okay for somebody who's married to an NBA all-star that's that could be living the groupie life. And maybe he is. We never know. People always assume stuff, but she made a statement and motherfuckers just ran off with it. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy because, you know what? Guys do it more than women. That's that's the shit that kind of gets lost in this. It's like, oh, she's looking for attention, all this stuff. Yeah, guys do it more. I've gone through my phases where I was looking for attention while in a relationship. That shit is stupid. But I wasn't feeling myself for certain reasons. Looked for attention and guess what? Attention found me. And that shit was all bad. 
It's just it's a matter if you got that door open too, because it's like if you want to, you know, somebody to compliment you, that's cool. It's what you do with that compliment that thereafter is is the issue. Correct. Like, you can, you, there's a good way and a bad way to handle that. Right. It's like somebody jumps in your DM. It's like if you leave your DMs open and somebody jumps into your DMs and you respond to that that flirtatious DM with something like, "Oh, thank you. What's up? <laughs> You're <laughs> playing for fire. So you need to chill." <laughs> Like other ways, you could just like close your DMs and not respond, or be, or just say thanks and keep it pushing. Yeah, it's a way to handle this shit. That's what I had to learn, man. That was that was my maturity. How to not respond. That was yeah. the, that was the easiest thing to listen. It's okay if people hit you up. It's okay if people want to say what's up or they want to you know compliment you. Women too. I tell my girl like guys are hopping her DMs or her messages and uh, you know. And I was like, yeah. Even after she posted, we we're married. Guys were like, oh, congratulations. Oh, how you doing? Oh, but and I'm like, yo, that shit's funny. And she's like, yeah, he used to try to talk to me. I was like, yeah. I was like, listen, he's just trying to make sure you're in a happy marriage. I was like, he don't give a fuck that you're in a marriage. Like, he's just, he just want to see how happy that marriage is. I was like, you know, people are going to shoot their shot. People want what other people have. That's another aspect of that conversation that gets lost. You know, people see that Aisha and she puts forth this, we are this happy family. We are like, you know, my husband's amazing to me. I'm amazing to my, and people want that. And they'll well, do anything I'll, I'll to get that you. shit for a second. I'll correct you a little bit. Some people do want it, but people want to destroy it. That's one thing that I've learned is that a lot of people just want to find out if they can ruin what you have. That's shitty. Like that mindset is incredible. Cause yeah, it's true. But God, you got to be like a whole different type of person to just be like, you know what? Let me test this out. No, like I have friends that I've known over the years who just have, have taken pride in ruining relationships, right? Meant, a lot of them aren't my friends anymore because I just think those are shitty human beings. But it's like, man, like they want to see if they can get the girl to bite the bait or vice versa. There are a lot of women that want to see if they can ruin your, your relationship. They may not even really want you. They just want to see that they are good enough to ruin your, your relationship. Dangerous world out there, fellas. Woo, cold bloody. You guys, be safe in those Twitter streets. Everyone listening. Um, yeah, man. So that that was pretty much the Aisha stuff, and that has a million different layers that we won't get into. The only other thing we'll touch on before we talk about Canelo Jacobs is some shit I saw, and I'm not sure if it was your timeline or AJ's, uh, but looking at it, it's the Steve Harvey. Rich people don't get eight hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, that was right? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm looking at this shit. And listen, I don't get eight hours of sleep, but I ain't rich. So I'm just like, okay, like I, I live off four hours of sleep a night. It's just how I am. Uh, you, on the other hand, I mean, you're, I feel like you're the same way. You didn't sleep before you had your daughter. You were up yeah. at all wild times of the night just watching Kung Flu flicks and, and writing at like 2 a.m. for no reason. Yeah. So it, it's a smart cut, but I know a lot of people who do get a comfortable sleep and you know what? They're making a lot of money. Yeah. See, that's Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. I mean, rich people in general, like once they become rich, they tend to forget what it was like when they were not rich. And they make <laughs> these assumptions about people, about how long you sleep or what you do. Like it's dumb, right? Like there are rich people who are so rich, they pay for other people to do a lot of the work so they can sleep. Yeah. So it's like they may be sleeping for eight hours, but people that are on the grind sleep less because they're working hard trying to make a little bit of money so they don't have to stay up all odd hours of the night. Like me, 
yeah, I stay up all wild hours. And then it's like, because I had voluntary sleep. Like when I was tired, I went to sleep. It could be four in the morning, five in the morning. When I had my daughter, it's called involuntary sleep. You don't have to choose when you sleep anymore. You are on their schedule, not yours. So it changes how you sleep. But it's like when you're when you're working, yeah, there's travel. I, like I know people that that don't sleep a lot because their schedules are so crazy. But then there's people who are rich and they, and they get their eight hours of sleep. They go to sleep at like ten. Like I think the the key here is the more money you make, or maybe or the more successful the are you are, and the older you get the earlier you, you wake up. I think that's the real difference. It ain't because it, it becomes like a matter old of people in general, right? They wake up yeah. at like the crack of dawn. Like I find myself waking up earlier and earlier and earlier. And that's, I know that's due to me having a daughter, but it's like my day gets started earlier. Cause what you do learn as you get more ahead in your career is there's really nothing out for you past midnight, right? Like, it, like for you to be out in the streets past midnight, it's really nothing there for you. You can comfortably go to sleep at midnight if you're at home and then you wake up at like six in the morning that's six hours of sleep nothing pat nothing but trouble waiting for you past midnight no oh, there's really not like in the music industry yeah like there's concerts there's shows that you go to but then then at a certain point it becomes like well what the fuck am i doing here yeah. like what's really getting done at three in the morning right it's not a lot there are some cases extenuating circumstances where you're out late maybe with if you're shadowing an artist if you're a writer or if you're a fighter, you just had a fight in New York, which ends at like three in the morning. That makes sense. But to be always out and up past midnight at a certain age, you're just like, I don't need to do this shit anymore. I need to be up early so I can get my day started early because people answer their emails and stuff like that. But the game changes. That Steve Harvey shit, yeah, he got to relax. Steve Harvey in general talking in absolutes is the funniest shit now. Like yeah. he, the whole thing like a man and this is how you keep a man. And this guy's gone through a million divorces. I think he's going through another divorce right now. Like, well, I mean, it's always easier to talk about somebody else's relationship while your own is falling apart. That That's just the nature of the beast. Making a killing off of it, though, boy. And, there, and there's people thinking like, yo, I can't get eight hours of sleep now. I'm never going to be Steve Harvey rich. Yeah, like, see, that's the other thing about Steve Harvey. What people tend to forget about Steve Harvey is he didn't get rich until he was in his four, well, 40s. I think maybe. his career really started taking off because I think. Yeah, he uh, got that show maybe at like 40 something and then Kings of Comedy kind of just. Yeah, and even so after that, like, he had a little stalemate, and then he got somehow he got like into Family Feud, and that shit took off. Radio. I, I mean, he was doing radio, he was doing everything else, but prior to that, you know, in his twenties, Steve Hardy was doing the stand-up circuit, and I guarantee you that he wasn't getting a lot of sleep because he was hustling, trying to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, doing stand-up shows at one or two in the morning, and then waking up and trying to prep his material and stuff like that. So it's just people forget. Like once you get to a certain point, you be like, "Yo, it's so much." It's not. It's 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 different. But we still got the hustle is what it's all about. It ain't necessarily about how much sleep you get. And you can sleep and be successful. Like, I don't know where the fuck you got that shit from. Yeah, I don't know. Like, that's my thing. And rich people sleep. People trying to get rich don't sleep. It's just a product of trying to get rich. Like, you would sleep if you could. But you got so much shit to do to try to get rich, it doesn't allow you. So there's, there's a drastic difference. And this guy's like, no, you can't. Like, eh, get the hell out of here. Some days I crash. I sleep for 10 hours. The world keeps spinning. I wake up to money. It's great. So yeah. Steve is Steve is bugging on that one, but I had to touch on that because AJ on his timeline, like some of the comments, that shit just had me dying. And uh, AJ, if you're listening, and he listens every week, so you are. Your timeline's been on fire this week, sir. Uh, AJ Springer on Twitter. If you guys are looking for it, man, that shit had me entertained all week. So that was fun. Uh, 
Man, Drake, to start off our week, though, let's backtrack, rewind this whole thing. Canelo versus Jacobs here in Vegas, T-Mobile Arena. I had Shake Shack. You were too busy. Yeah, I didn't eat. Man, it was so good. I'm Stra- sure it was. Strawberry Shake. I-, I got the double Shake Shack burger. You ain't got to do all this. The, the Smoke Shack. You, you know, know I, I didn't thing. get the fries with the cheese like you usually get, but I did get the grilled hot dog. Instead, man, what? No, I didn't. I didn't get the hot dog. I got a chicken sandwich and a burger because I had the extra ticket because somehow you went through a roundabout way and you didn't get, you were too fancy to get a media credential and you got like a all access credential, which is dope, but it didn't come with media food tickets. So I was going to be the kind co-host that I was. It's like, Dre, you take half of my tickets. I take half. You're like, yo, I'm too busy. I used it all, Dre. Every last dollar. That's pretty greedy. Um, <laughs> it was delicious, by the way. Yeah, my, my week was different. This is the, well, yeah, I would say this is my first fight, even though I've been with the zone for a little while now. This was the first fight that I was working, like, I was literally burning both ends of the candle. So I was there doing social media for sport news, as well as covering the fight, which I had all, all access at the Roy Inns. I, I was backstage. I spent a lot of time with Daniel Jacobs this week. I did the same. I was in Canelo's locker room. Usher showed up. Um, mass celebrities were trying to get in. <laughs> it's a tale of two cities, right? So I guess I'll, I'll tell you guys this because a lot of people have never experienced, like you go to a fight or a lot of people in media to fight, but a lot of people have never been with a fighter at a major fight and had to see what the atmosphere was like between two locker rooms. So Saturday I get there, um, pick up my credential. And the weird thing is because I work for the zone of sport news, I don't get a media credential like else I get an all access credential. However, Nobody told me where my, my credential was. Mind you, our chief product officer, they never found his credential. So he, they just put him in the suite. So th- it's crazy. But uh, <laughs> I had to have somebody bring me my credential. So I go in and it's just like, you know, you can go to the locker rooms. You can kind of film stuff. Like I think if, if anybody followed me on social media, I had like Daniel Jacobs, the, the, where he was going to walk, how to get to the ring. I got to follow some of the fighters out. Um, but when Jacobs and Canelo got there, there was – in our production meeting, like I was in, I sat in on fighter meetings. Um, I sat in on uh, after the weigh-ins, drug test. I, like I was there for everything, um, but I was allowed to go to both locker rooms. Now, originally there was a thought that there was going to be a lot of crews going into both locker rooms, which ended up being not true. Canelo had like the crazy, like everybody's in his locker room. I mean, everybody. Like I said, Usher pulled up. Um, a lot of Mexican celebrities pulled up, like, and it was just a, a locker room full of people. So when when I went in there, um, Gabe Rivas, who is the head of PR over at Golden Boy, was like, "You can just stay in there for a little bit, and you gotta get out because we gotta get some other people in." I was like, "Cool." So I went in there. You guys might see my video. So I was joking. He's having a good time. And there's like behind me, there's like 40 people filming Canelo on their phones, all wearing those white jumpsuits with the with the gold trim. Like, it's just tons of people. And then they're like, you know, they were like, "Well, Usher wants to come in, so some of you guys gotta leave." So I go to Jacob's dressing room. One tiny ass guy. Usher's like 5'4". Send Usher in. I ain't going nowhere. That's what I would have said. Well, so I was like, all right, let me go to Daniel Jacob's room. So I go to Jacob's room, and he's playing MOP Gangstar. And he's like shadow boxing. His family's in there. Um, and when I walk in, Terrence Crawford walks in. Terrence Crawford is the only person with a name that entered Jacob's wa- uh, locker room. The only person. And there were a ton of people at the fight. But Terrence Crawford was the only one who walked in when he was getting his hands wrapped. They had a conversation. And that was that. 
And from that point, um, one of our production members, uh, I won't say her name. I probably shouldn't do that because then people will try to find her. But she was just <laughs> like, hey. She was like, um, it's not a lot going on here. So if you want to stay in Jacob's locker room until he walks out, that's fine. At the at Canelo's locker room, they were like, Mm-mm, you got to leave. Like, you can only be in there because there's just way too many people in here. So I stayed in Jacob's locker room. I watched him shadow box. I watched him kiss his family. Like, I watched him mentally get ready for the fight. As each fight was happening, I'm watching Jacobs get into a zone. And it goes from MOP and Gangstar to Meek Mill to he starts playing 80s music. Evelyn Champagne King starts playing and Tume play like he's playing all 80s music as the fight's getting closer. It is a very weird thing to watch when somebody's getting into his own. And I'm like, like Chris Algeri's back there and a few other people. And I don't want to talk to him. Like he acknowledges that I'm there, but I don't want to bother him because I'm like, yo, you're about to fight the biggest fight of your life. Whereas in Canelo's locker room, when I walked in, first of all, I'm the only black dude in the locker room until Usher showed up. So everybody's like, who's this guy? Right. And I'm filming with my phone because I don't have a camera crew. I'm doing social media stuff. And they're like, who is he? And then Canelo looks at me. He's like, gives me like a thumbs up. I'm like, oh. And everybody's like, all right, he's cool. <laughs> like, but that's how loose Canelo was in this locker room. He's used to these moments. Like, this is a big moment, but it's not his biggest fight by yeah. far. Like, the Jacobs, this was clearly his biggest fight. So, walked out with both of them. I got a video of that. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was an interesting uh watching two fighters and how they prepare for a fight and it was it, like from the moment that they arrive to the arena getting their hands wrapped getting their instructions like i'm watching like i'm not gonna say jacobs was overwhelmed by the moment but you could t- tell that canelo was clearly com- comfortable in that element like that was his world and he had no problem dealing with it and it didn't give him a problem on fight night he wasn't too high strung he wasn't he didn't have adrenaline or emotions it was nothing for him this was the average night for him that's crazy man made 35 million dollars he earned it because he knows what he's doing. And damn, the fight itself, we're talking about the fight. It, it was close, though. Yeah, I told you it was close. You was over like, man, it ain't that close. The fight was close. And I, I told you the fight was changing. I told you that there was things happening. But it, Canelo that, won. that size, man, the size wore him down. I don't it, think it was the size, man. I, personally, I, I really don't think those extra three pounds had anything to do with it. At all. I think it was more because Danny wasn't really leaning on Canelo. Like, Canelo was the aggressor for a majority of that fight. I think that's what threw Jacobs off more than anything else. That Canelo, being the smaller man, giving up four inches in height, about four inches in reach, kept coming forward. And I think Jacobs, like a lot of people have done lately, have underestimated how good Canelo is defensively. They have completely underestimated that part of his game. That upper body movement is... The feet are still slow. But damn, the head movement is legit. I wouldn't even say the feet are slow. He's, he just puts himself in position to not get hit. And you can't, like, somebody was, like, trying to make a joke because I was like, you know, what Canelo does better than anybody is he lands the cleaner punches without getting hit by anything clean. And he picks his spots at certain points in a round to make sure the judges know what's going on. And somebody was like, isn't that boxing? No shit, that's boxing. But nobody really does it that well. Floyd do it, did it exceptionally. Floyd knew how to pick his spots. Canelo does the same thing. You rarely, if ever, see Canelo get hit with a clean shot. It doesn't happen. And he makes you miss so bad that as a judge, you start scoring the fight for Canelo, even if he didn't land anything. Because you're watching Jacobs miss eight and nine punch combinations where he's just hitting air. Like It wasn't like he was catching gloves. And if any fighter will tell you, it's much more exhausting when you swing, you miss, you hit nothing than it is catching a glove. And there were so many moments where Jacobs was just hitting nothing. But 
the fight changed, man. Because Canelo, I mean, I, I don't know why, when somebody's going to really talk about this, but Canelo has cardio issues. He gets tired in every fight. And you can see it in every fight. Granted, he's facing the top level of competition in the middleweight division. But from the 6th to the 12th round, you can see that he loses a spring in his step. He's not moving out of the way of punches as fast. And Jacobs caught him with some great shots. But then Canelo's got a fucking an impressive chin. Like, he was taking shots from Jacobs. Yo, he took was- a hook in the ninth that would have took everyone else's head off. And he ate it. No hands up. No flinching. No backstep. No cover-up. He walked right through it and put his face in Jacob's chest and said, let's keep going. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, that's, there are so many underrated parts of Canelo's game that I, didn't, that I took for granted earlier in his career. And now he's, he's a different fighter. The man is a, he's such a different fighter than what he once was. And there was no controversy in this fight. Canelo won this fight. I had him winning, uh, I want to say 115, 113. But it was a convincing 115-113, if that makes any sense. There were no rounds. Like, 116-112 is also fair. 117-111 would have been ridiculous. But <laughs> I would have been surprised to see it, though. It would have been yeah, ridiculous. I would have been, been surprised. But this, this, was, this fight was scored well. Um, I think everybody was right on the money with these scorecards. And the right man won the fight. There is no controversy here. No, I, I, for the first time in a couple Canelo fights, I could say no controversy at all. He went out there. He handled business. Yeah. And he left nothing to doubt. It, the guy's still getting better. What, he's, he's 28. 28? Like, he, he's just hitting his prime. Every time I see him, I'm like, damn, this is a better version of the guy that I just saw. And I don't, I don't know. Man, Jacobs, you know, obviously isn't known for his extreme pop. But he gave him a clean shot. Clean shot to the jaw, and the guy didn't flinch. Golovkin hit him with everything, plus the kitchen sink. That has floored everyone else. The guy didn't even drop to a knee. He's he's getting to be scary levels of good. But there's always younger people, right? So we see these these rumors, is the only way I can categorize them as, of, oh, they're looking at an Errol Spence fight to test Canelo. Yeah, that's absolutely not true. Uh, it's that completely is, not true. But 100% false. the prospect of it is something that I like. Not now, but in two years. Why not Spence test him? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the conversations are premature. Like, they're super premature. But it's like, because Spence, he still has to clean out 147. Then he has to go to 154 and clean that out. Then you got to get over the negotiating hur- hurdle between two parties, right? Can the fight be made? Yeah, if there's enough money in it, of course it can. But we still got to see Errol Spence really get tested. I can if see he, so- he doesn't have to clear out 154. If he wins one fight at 154, I can see him going to 160 and taking that fight. Fair enough. Yeah, we can see that. But it, it's just there's so many moving parts for that fight to get made. It's a little. It's just kind of soon, man. Yeah. Like no, definitely. You know, I I, but- I like the idea of it though. It's something I didn't even think about before. Well, I've thought about it for a while, but. Here's the thing. Like, I wrote a piece saying that Canelo is the Mike Trout of boxing, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, my premise is this. Mike Trout, at 27 years old, already has a portfolio that rivals numerous Hall of Famers in baseball. At, he's 27. He's the best player in the game, hands down, with the biggest contract. The only thing that he doesn't have is a World Series championship. So that's what he's playing for. Canelo, on the other hand, is 28 probably, in my eyes, he's now the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. 
His resume is better than everybody else's. Beating Jacobs decisively, who Jacobs was a guy who had a higher knockout percentage, had only lost two fights, and a lot of people say he looked better against Golovkin than Canelo did, and Canelo beat him, mm. right? But what, what does Canelo have? Like, he's already had the biggest fight he's going to have in his career against Floyd. He's already had the biggest rivalry that he'll probably have in his career against Triple G. He's already beaten the likes of Arisandi Lara, Alfredo Angulo, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., Miguel Cotto, Shane Mosley. He's fought Floyd Mayweather. What's left for Canelo Alvarez? Like, when you really think about this... Yeah, it's I, tough. And, you, and the reason why I call him the Mike Trout is because... He's 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 done everything that you almost everything you could possibly do before he hit his physical prime. And that's a scary prospect. But what motivates Canelo at this point? Because for Trout, it's a team game. He wants to win a World Series ring. He's already won the MVPs. That's not it. Like he wants to be the best player in baseball, but he wants that World Series ring. For Canelo, what what's left? You got the thirty-five million dollar contract with three hundred fifty something million dollars for ten fights and thirty-five million a fight. You got that already. You are the unified 160-pound champion. There's only one belt left, and it belongs to Demetrius Andre. But can you really get excited for that fight if you're Canelo? But Canelo can. And that's the one thing I like about Canelo that's different from other fighters. Canelo's not even fighting to fight the best. He's not fighting to fight the biggest names like Floyd Mayweather did. Like Floyd Mayweather peaked financially in his 30s. He didn't have his biggest fight. Like He didn't become Money Mayweather until he was 31. Canelo's 28, and he's got a bigger contract than Floyd had. That's impressive, but he's still hungry to be the best. Canelo, after the fight, said he wants Demetrius Andre. He does not really want to fight uh, Triple G again because Triple G doesn't have a belt. He wants Andre. But sooner or later, it has to eat at him that even, I can't even say like a shred of people or small portion, a large portion of people believe he won neither of those fights. Oh, against I'm one G. of them. I'm one of them. However, the thing is, is that Canelo looks at it as, let me unify these titles, and then I'll take on all challengers. That's how he looks at it. He's like, let me be the undisputed unified champion of 160. And I got to clear this up. A lot of people say, it, he's not unified. He doesn't have all the titles. That's not what unified means. Unified means you have two of the, at least two of the four major titles. Here he has three of them. One's left, and that's Andre's. That means you're undisputed. So he wants to be the undisputed king of the middleweight division. Then he feels like he'll give Triple G another shot. Because right now, Triple G has no titles. I understand that. But I know where we're going with this. You are going to get Canelo Triple G 3 before you get Canelo versus Andre. Because Canelo versus Andre doesn't sell at all. Do you have to sell on the zone? Yes. Really? Like, I mean, you guys have the subscribers. Like, but, but he, he brought the people in for this fight. Like, you, you have that base. So, like, one... It's not like pay-per-view where one dud and people are like, oh, my God, look at these pay-per-view numbers. Like, no, like you guys still have those subscribers. So, cool. You give him one fight to get all the belts, and he's right back at big money fights. Right, but we're still in our infantile stages, right? So it's like, you want to put your best foot forward. Canelo Jacobs, for all intents and purposes... Yeah, it did well. We had 1.2 million people watching worldwide, which is it's a solid number with $20 per subscriber, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you want to build upon that, right? Because ultimately, Jacobs was not like a marquee name that he was facing. He was he, Hardcore fans knew who he was, and we wanted to see that fight. But there were a lot of people in Vegas that were like, who's Canelo fighting this weekend? 
or Canelo's fighting this weekend. That was happening a lot. And there's two reasons behind that. And one is because Canelo's fighting Jacobs is not a big name. Canelo doesn't do a lot to sell a fight. And two, because the zone as a company, we don't have like with HBO, you put on 24-7 after you put on like the Marvel movie, right? So you have shoulder program that they, they lets you know on pay-per-view this fight is happening. On ESPN, if they have an ESPN pay-per-view, Terrence Crawford is on first take. Terrence Crawford is here. Terrence Crawford is there. He's everywhere on ESPN plus commercials. Us, we got to pay for advertising on other networks in order to bring attention to the zone. Like, unless you have the zone, you can't see the shoulder program. So in order for us to get bigger as a company, you have to do Canelo versus Triple G3 at some point because that's the money fight that everybody wants to see. It makes the most money at the box office, and it's going to draw more subscribers. I'm not sure Canelo versus Andre is going to convince a bunch of people to subscribe to the zone that don't have it already. Yeah, I mean, you can take an L. Again, you can take an L on one fight. It's to just, the ends will justify the means. You're, you're, you're fine for one fight if you have to. It's no different than his December fight. That didn't kill him, right? No, the December I mean, fight? He rolled was, over someone? Yeah, he rolled over Rocky Field in the claim of 168 title. He wanted to stay busy. That that's fine. Easy. Well, I'm just I'm saying in the sense of Golovkin's not getting any younger. That's the other thing. Yeah, like he's fighting Steve Rolls on June eighth. He's uh, working with Jonathan Banks, who is uh, Lad Klitschko's old trainer. Um, he's, and I, I don't want to say he's trying to reinvent himself. I think Golovkin is just trying to find something that he didn't have in the other two and the other Canelo fights. Because for all intents and purposes, Triple G beats up just about anybody in that division anyway. But with Jonathan Banks, he's looking for something new and fresh. But it's also, wait, Golovkin's 35, 36 now. You don't want to wait too long to make the third fight because anything can happen. So why not make it now? Um, but, I mean, I, wouldn't, I also wouldn't be surprised, I, depending on how things shake out, if Cano goes back to 168 to fight Callum Smith, who is who's one, of the, uh, one of the other super middleweight title holders in the U.K. That's possible. And broaden the market. There's, there's infinite possibilities with Canelo. But I think the, the fight that people, they may say that they don't want to see it, but if he fights Triple G again, considering the bad blood they had, and considering that tri- Triple G was at the fight looking like a goddamn supervillain. <laughs> Yo, yeah, what is with your boy? Yellow suit? Yo, my man looked like a supervillain. Then he tweeted that he's not impressed, pulled the GSP out. Look, he's trying to heal it up. There is heat between those two guys. Get that and, money. That's, that's how you get the fight. You, you, you run that fight back. Don't wait too long. Because the other thing is, there ain't a lot to, for Triple G to do in the interim. No. Like if he ain't but fighting, it's a Canelo, lot to lose for Canelo. Canelo can't outright lose to Triple G now. Yeah, but he's but Canelo's in a place where it's okay. Let's if he loses to Triple G in September, mm-hmm. because that's obviously when they'd have the fight. Then they're what one one and one. You can have a fourth fight. Canelo's fine. No matter no matter if he loses to Demetrius Andrade on the other hand, who was a tough fight, that's a problem. Much more of a problem than losing the Triple G. Unless Canelo was out there and he just gets knocked out. Even if he got knocked out. Manny Pacquiao got knocked out to death and still made the (laughs) biggest pay-per-view of all time. Damn right he did. Woo! Simple was on his back trying to wake him up. Boy, that was the most embarrassing knockout of all time. Just just because it was Twitter and the meme age just took off, it it was the hands-down most embarrassing, embarrassing knockout ever. And, yeah, it didn't phase him financially at all. Nah, man. People like a good story. People like rivalries. Like, if Canelo were to lose to Demetrius Andrade, a lot of people wouldn't even th- recognize that Canelo lost. 
because they don't know who Demetrius Andrade is. They call us some bullshit. They said the judges were cheating because, like, Andrade's not going to knock him out. Andrade is a good fighter, but he doesn't have knockout power like that. So if he loses, people are like, ah, oh, he got robbed, whatever. Like, Canelo's almost bulletproof at this point. Whereas Floyd, his entire image was surrounding being undefeated. And if he would have lost, it would have taken his aura away. You know what Canelo's aura is? Being Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He's That's what hell of an Because you know what? All the best Mexican fighters lose. They don't yeah, care. Like, as long as you stand there and thump, they don't care at all. No, like Canelo is Mexican. There are people that booed Canelo in that arena because they didn't like how he fought the fight. But, but being Mexican is almost bulletproof because those fans love you. Yeah, they being showed black, up again. Tell you that much. They booed him that night, showed up again. Yeah, but it's like Daniel Jacobs, on the other hand, or another black fighter, we don't have a country behind us. There ain't a country rooting for you just because you're black. It doesn't Dre, the man had six fans. In all of T-Mobile Arena, the man had six fans. And he won fans over at the end of the night. But he, he never came in that fight as a fan favorite. He, people did not buy tickets to see Daniel Jacobs fight. So I'm think, I think he's pretty satisfied walking away with 13, well, $12 million because he lost a million for being overweight. Yeah. <laughs> Which ended up being a good choice. I said this the whole lead up, right? Like, yo, if they put that clause on again, just run through it. I think it was a bad choice. Because now you lost a million and you lost a fight. Might as well just come in. At, at but it the, got him close enough. Yeah, who cares? It's a loss, it's a loss, it's a loss. Nobody cares. You can get knocked out. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the key. If the extra weight means you can rehydrate and not get knocked out, then my man, you take the extra weight. It's, just, it's, it's three pounds, man, which makes me feel like it's more of a mistake than it is that he tried to, to gain weight. Feels like he just drank water, got to 170, was like, shit, there's nothing I can do about this. They knew what they were doing. Canelo's team knew what they were doing with the hydration clause. The the four million didn't matter. The the million dollars didn't matter. Yeah, that that's very true. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see where they both go. Um, you know, Jacobs might walk right into a triple G rematch. If Triple yeah. G ain't got shit to do. Yeah, but I think that Jacobs is gonna go to one sixty eight. I think that at this point, it's a smart thing for him to do. Yeah, there's plenty of people up there to fight and beat up on. Get a couple wins. Stake stake your claim. Yeah, you can move around. You're a big guy. You know, you fight 168. Maybe you fight Callum Smith in the UK and get his title. Like, clearly, like, he's – I'm not going to say he struggled to make 160, but he feel a lot better making 168. You don't got to give up a million dollars anymore. Exactly. That's all the difference. Um Real quick, before we hit this quick break, Spence versus Porter. You like this fight? Is it still the yeah. matchup to make? All right. Absolutely. I still no think problem. it's Spence versus Pac-Man, but you seem to think Pac-Man actually, and a lot of people do. I, In my heart of hearts, I think it could happen. So Pacquiao could beat Keith Thurman. Yeah, look, look, look. I don't if think it do, happens. I think Thurman wins that fight, and you're wasting Pacquiao, but whatever. I don't. I do not. See, this is, here's, look, dude, let's make this real simple. Spence fights Porter. On Fox. I, said, I think I said this two weeks ago. It's not going to be a pay-per-view fight. It's going to be on Fox. The reason why, you want to get Spence as much exposure as possible. Porter is a guy who's not going to sell. That's that. Okay? <laughs> He's not going to sell a pay-per-view. So to protect the pay-per-view numbers from looking bad, you do it on Fox. You draw tons of viewership. And if you beat Porter, you're now the WBC t- champion as well. Pacquiao, if you would have put Pacquiao in there with Spence now... You kind of leave Thurman blowing in the wind, right? Because Thurman, Porter... But can you depend on Thurman to be a star? Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't put Thurman in a star-making position because he hasn't shown me anything the past two years that he deserves that. If Spence takes him out and he's a star, 
cool. He's dependable. I can no, rely on that star. But but this is what you're doing. You put Pacquiao in there with Keith Thurman for the other title, right? If Pacquiao wins, no sweat. Pacquiao's already a big star. Now you have Pacquiao versus Spence. If Thurman wins, you have made Thurman a star by beating Manny Pacquiao and the other title holder. You're unifying the titles now. Because ultimately what you want to do is you're creating this element of we're unifying the titles. And Terrence Crawford, you can't. You're over there. You're on that side of the street. You have you can't. Like There's nothing that Terrence Crawford can do. So by the time that Spence collects all these titles, which would be in the next two fights, because he'd fight Porter first. And if the winner of Thurman and Pacquiao is going to be his next fight, as long as there's no injuries, now Spence has all the titles except for Terrence Crawford's. And now you go to the negotiating table, you put the titles on the table, you show the pay-per-view numbers, you show the, what will probably be record-breaking numbers on Fox, and you say, 50-50, really? Really? <laughs> and Aaron look at her face and say, yes. And they'd be like, nah, we don't need you. We don't. Nope. And Spence, like I, like I told y'all before, Spence told me he wants to unify these titles. He wants to go 154 in 2020. So if he doesn't get the Crawford fight, even though I think they'll figure it out, yeah. but I think Crawford's going to just have to take a hit. God, his pay-per-view did like 140000 Yeah. You take the hit and you gamble on the rematch. Yeah. That's like always the case. what Golovkin did, right? Like, first fight, you take the hit. And, yeah, and you roll on it, and then it's a draw, and which people thought he won. So Canelo has no choice but to rematch, and Triple G came in. I, I don't know the final numbers, but people speculated and said it was like 55-45 or something close, 53-47. Something way better than the first one. Yeah, like you, you roll the dice, but you got But it, with Spence having all the titles, because now it becomes not only is it the best fighter versus best fighter, this is all the, all the marbles. All the titles are on the line. Yeah. And in order to it's make Spence a bigger best star... Best fighter you, in the world. Yeah, for the like title, ex- best fighter in the world. You expose him to the biggest audience that you can on Fox to fulfill that obligation, and then you put him in a major pay-per-view against Manny Pacquiao. The only thing you have to really worry about, because I think Pacquiao's going to beat Thurman, because I don't think Keith really wants it anymore, because I think one time is long gone. That man got married, has been in Asia. I don't think he really wants to fight. Could be wrong. I think the biggest issue is convincing Pacquiao's team to accept a fight with Spence. I think that's the biggest challenge. You're gonna have to throw a lot of money at Manny Pacquiao. You throw whatever it takes at him. But but that's the problem. Like, because I know Freddie Roach doesn't want that fight. Like, dog, you can see when Manny got in the ring Listen, that man, night you, against Yeah, it seemed it seemed like eh, it's a, like, a little bit early. Yeah. Like, like you could tell he's like, I don't really want this fight, but okay, <laughs> whatever you want. Like, like that's Manny these days. Like, how much money are you gonna give me? Like, I'll fight anybody if the price is right. He's a prize fighter. He's not a fighting to be the best anymore. He's a prize fighter. I don't fighter. care if you gotta buy the entire damn Philippines new houses. You do whatever the man wants to get him in that in that ring. And Heyman will. So so that's the strategy. Like, I get it. Pacquiao versus Thurman. Um, I believe the date is July 20th in Vegas. Uh, that hasn't been formally announced yet, but I'm pretty sure that's what they're aiming at. And then, uh, was it uh, Spence Porter is in Barclays? Yeah. Uh, third. Yeah, I was about to say New York, right? So Barclays. Yeah. And I will be there for that shit. Absolutely. Uh, I will not, sadly. I All my vacation time is going towards my real honeymoon. So, breaking yeah. out on that fight. I'll be living yeah. vicariously through you. Oh, and also one last thing before we move on. Jared Hurt fights this weekend. If y'all not watching that fight, y'all bucket. 
Jared Hurd versus J Rock, Julian Williams is fighting on sneaky on TV. good fight. Like, I, yeah. I didn't even know J Rock earned another title fight. I was like, okay, let's see yeah. if we see the real J the J Rock who he said he was years ago before he got flattened by Charlo. The reason why I tell y'all to pay attention to this fight is because Jared Hurd can't be at 154 much longer. He's huge and he's fun as hell to watch. That is a fight I would like. Like me, I'd like to see Jared Hurd, you know, win J Rock, which I think he'll do. Fight one of the Charlos and then beat the shit out the other one, and then look at hey Canelo, hi, I'm over here. Yeah, I, I don't think, think he makes it through both Charlos. I do. Listen, I don't, I don't know if he's beaten. Which one's the bigger listen. Charlo? The one sixty Charlo is. Let me make this clear. Last fight excluded because I think he coasted through that. I enjoy the Charlos, but they are both overrated. Oh. <laughs> Both of them. Okay. Speak your mind, Dre. What? Uh, they, they are both. Like, who have they beaten? The younger Charlo, definitely. Who have they, like, collectively, who Who's have they that? beaten? Jamal is the older? Just uh, tell me who they beat. Just, like, you can tag team, put them together. Who have they beaten? I would say, shit, what, J Rock is the best win for Jamal? I don't know who else he beat. That's a good question. Exactly. He's looked good beating people. How about we go there? I don't. Every, I mean, Canelo bounced from one fifty four. By the time Charlo really became a really big contender, he went up to one sixty. But they're not crossing the aisle. He hasn't really put hands on nobody like that at one sixty yet. The last fight arguably was a draw, and they damn near on, gifted man. him that one. Come on, man! Jared Hurd beat Arisandi Lara. Beat him. Neither of the Charles have that on their resume. Jared Hurd is tall, strong, pressure fighter. Can take a punch. Hurts people. He beats the shit out of both of the Charles. If they fight right now, I don't think Jared Hurd's style lends itself to a long-term fighter because he fights coming forward and he doesn't mind taking a few. But if, if he fights, if you were to fight them both in succession, he hurts them both. Yikes. Now I need to see this fight. Just that quick. You convinced me. I, I need to see this fight. Um, let's take a quick break though. We're going to hit a quick break. You guys stay right there. When we come back, got to talk UFC real quick. We got a UFC pay-per-view card coming up this weekend. If you guys didn't know, a lot of people don't. And then we'll just touch on some wrestling real quick and, uh, maybe even talk a little bit more about StarCast weekend. So you guys stay there. We'll be right back. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman, everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store none of that anymore you get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to casper mattresses yeah man i mean i, I gotta get my rest so casper mattresses is the, is the goods i'm telling you right now so listen you can get fifty dollars off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner that's one word the corner that's casper.com backslash the corner promo code t-h-e-c-o-r-n-e-r terms and conditions apply all right we are back and dre i told the people we're talking about the ufc we're talking about mma and 
we got to start by talking about the old cowboy. He has one more ride, and, and he's making this one a good one. Him he's and on Old Town Road. <laughs> got his horses in the back. It's this fight against Ally Quinta, we were both at um, at the fight, at the Canelo fight. So I was just watching my feed, trying to catch up with it, watch it through. I came home two days later and watched that fight. Man, that was a good-ass fight. And I Quinta had the upper hand early, but Cerrone just outlasted him. And, and the toughness is just incredible for a guy who moved up and, and got, you know, pummeled a couple times to move back down and say, you know what? These these guys ain't got nothing for me. Like, now I'm back, and I can take this, and I can take out top five, top ten fighters. And now he's calling out a title shot against Khabib. I, I don't know, man. The, the guy's crazy who says he can't do it. I mean, Cowboy likes to fight. There are a few people that don't fight for the prize. They just fight to fight, and they just take the money that comes along with it. It's Cowboy Cerrone. Like, he's like, all right, how much you paying me? All right, let's yeah. do it. Listen, Khabib and Regimedov, forget about it. I don't want that fight. Listen, that, that fight ain't happening anyway because Poirier's in line for it. But the Conor McGregor fight, it needs to happen. Like, there's no reason why Cowboy Cerrone and McGregor shouldn't be fighting. None. None at all. If you want money... There's no reason why those two shouldn't fight. It'd be the biggest fight of the year. Yeah, and it's like, and it's, 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 again, it's a fight that Connor takes because it's like, all right, cool, I'll make a bunch of money. Everybody knows Cowboy. Um, and I can beat him, and I can put myself back in position and maybe eventually compete for a world title and see if I still got it. I think that's, I think there's really a part of Connor that like, has to wonder if he still has it. And on Cowboy's side, it's like, look, man, I done did so much for this company. Give me the biggest fight. Just give it to me. Pay me. Pay me what you owe me. Because Cowboy's been there when nobody else was. They say, hey, somebody's hurt. Cowboy, you want to fight? Sure. Fight anybody. Pay that man. This is his retirement plan. Like, if you were going to give Brock Lesnar to Daniel Cormier to get him a payday, Cowboy deserves his payday against Conor McGregor. Win or lose, he deserves to get paid. Yep. And it's a good profile fight for Conor. Because, I mean, you you go back, you have a Guy who's standing, who even though his, his jiu-jitsu is crazy. So if Connor hits the ground, it's over. Because Cerrone's wrapping him like a pretzel and tapping him in no time. But if it stays standing and Connor could drop him and Connor wins, this is a good showcase fight. And, and for Connor to sit back and get that interest again. So if he does want to be rematched, this, this kind of shoots him right back up there. Yeah, this is, a, this is an easy fight to make. Maybe Tony, though? I, I really want to see Tony versus... Uh, Man, who was I thinking the other day? Now I've completely lost it. But, I mean, Tony, I don't think he goes right back into the title picture. I mean, Oh, I want to see Tony versus Gaethje. Excuse me. Yeah, they could do that. Just violence. Fuck it. Let's do it. I'm here for the fights, man. Like, I just, the concept of, uh, you know, Conor versus Cowboy shouldn't be the main event because the UFC wants to put title fights. Look, we're running into the perfect example of a pay-per-view that has a title on it that nobody gives a shit about. Cowboy versus Connor, if you want to get subscribers to ESPN Plus, put that in the main event. Just do it. You don't need no title. It's not what this that's not what this sport is about anymore. Rankings don't matter. None of this shit matters. Connor McGregor matters. Cowboy matters. Do it. No, yeah, I mean can't dispute that. And if anything, Cerrone earned a high profile fight. Why not Connor at this point? And uh Connor still wants to fight, he says. Fuck it. Call his bluff. Give him a main event. 
Do it. Of course, it's just do it. Dog, it's Budweiser against Proper 12 Whiskey. Let's do it. <laughs> we don't need any more of a narrative than that. Uh, UFC 237 is this weekend. Drake, coming up. It is a pay-per-view on ESPN+. Plus. I don't see this selling. I mean, what, 50,000 pay-per-views? Maybe a little more. Maybe like 60,000, And that's but only because this- bars buy it. Like, this, I, I don't know... I, I don't see 60,000 households buying. Like, where? Doc, this is exactly my point. It's like, you don't have to put a title fight at the, at the all the pay, numbered pay-per-views don't need a title fight for this reason. I, and I've said this before. I love Rose and Emma Eunice. I think she should be a star. But the UFC is piss poor at making people stars. And Rose is one of them. She should be covering magazines. Yeah, but she be, the, I mean, she was shaken up by the Connor ordeal, kind of disappeared. It's kind of hard to make her a star with that. But, but what I'm saying, like, but they could have did this before that, yeah. right? UFC's just terrible at making stars. And now you have her sitting in a title fight against Jessica Andras, who nobody knows who she is in terms of the mainstream, on a card in Brazil with a bunch of Brazilian fighters on who, it's like, when you really look at this, it's like, this is great for Brazil. Jessica Andras, Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva, fantastic. Pay-per-view, yeah. on the other hand, not so much, man. People aren't looking at this and, and impressed. I'm looking at like I'm looking at this car right now. I'm like, listen, Saturday night. It's a great I'm time gonna, to be on ESPN, just normal ESPN. But this is what they do with these numbered pay-per-views. Like me personally, I ain't watching the other car. I'm gonna be at the NBA 2K finals at the Luxor this weekend. I'm covering some esports. And then I'll watch the main car of the UFC 237 because it's not that good of a card. By the way, you texted me that earlier. I put in for my credentials. I will see you at the buffet. Yeah, they give me free buffets, man. Like this, is, <laughs> I mean, this, but this, this tells you, like, I'm looking at this card. Like, I am intrigued by Nami Yunus versus Andraj. I really like this fight. But as, as a fight that's going to sell, nah. Kenanier versus Anderson Silva? Yeah, I want to see this fight. Not on pay per view. No. This really tests what Anderson Silva is, though. Like, I mean, at this point, we all think he's a gamekeeper, but, you know, who knows? Like, is he the gatekeeper or is he the guy who's about to wreck a prospect? Jared Cannonier is not a prospect. Let's be clear about that. The man's like 36 years old. Or not, a, like, I mean, just a good fighter, excuse me. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't talking about Cannonier in general, but, like, you, you know, he, he fought the Israel Adesanya's. He fought. Like he's in as in terms of being a gate gatekeeper, is he that guy to feed to people, or is he guy with still some pop who would just wreck half the roster? I don't know. Like I was, I was just crunching some numbers today. This might have the co-main event with the worst record between two fighters in their last ten fight, in five fights combined. <laughs> together, together, they are three and six with one no contest. This is your co-main event. And that's not great. Nah, man, it's not great. But at Anderson, all. Anderson sells, and to put it like that, I mean, it'd be it'd be a good retirement fight. He's not going to retire, but it'd be the perfect way of like, yo, Anderson, you win, you get one of those traditional Anderson style KOs, maybe a flying knee or something. Walk away in the sunset, my man. Like this, is, I don't know, man. This, like, whatever. They put this fight together, and I looked at it, and I was like. Can, they're trying to make Cannoneer contender at middleweight because they need a few contenders, which the middleweight division is kind of wide open. Jack Hermanson beating Jacare. The division is wide open and can use some, I don't want to say new blood, but it can use some different faces. Obviously, Rocco is going to move up to like heavy. You know, Romero's fighting Paulo Costa in August, which I'm looking forward to. But it, it would be good to see if Cannoneer, they're going to find out. Either he has it or he doesn't. It's just kind of sad that Anderson Silva has become that guy. 
Like, he's not the guy who's like, he wins, we put him in a title fight. Like, he's really not him anymore. He's the guy that you put up, you put some guy up against him to make a name for himself off of Anderson Silva. And if yeah. he doesn't, you go, oh, well, shit, he lost to Anderson Silva. I mean, Pacquiao's in the same boat, right? We just talked about Pacquiao. Kind of, but, but now he, like... Pacquiao still beats people regularly. So, okay, yeah. a little different. But even then, like, when you stay around that long, yeah, everyone's just going to try and make a name out of you. Yep. I mean, and that's and that's your job, right? It's, but for Anderson Silva, a guy who was recognized as the, not the best fighter, pound for pound, of that generation. Like, they consider him the best pound for pound fighter ever at one point in his career. And now he's just a guy. And the longer he stays around, the longer that we consider him just a guy rather than being one of the greatest fighters of all time. Yeah. I mean, it's sad. The ending of Anderson Silva is sad. It's yeah, just, the beginning was great and grand. The ending, not so much. He's You compared him to Roy Jones before, I believe. He, he is Roy Jones. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's that same narrative at this point. Like, it's the story arcs are eerily similar. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's make quick predictions then. Uh, Aldo versus Volkanovski. Ooh, oh man! Ooh, this is a this is a test because Aldo looked great last fight. Yeah, Volkanovski's. You know, he beat the piss out of Chad Mendez. Um, I'm gonna go with Jose Aldo because I just like I could really see him losing this fight. Don't get me wrong, I could really see Jose Aldo losing this fight. But he doesn't lose in non-title fights. He just doesn't. He just doesn't. And you're way like you're you're using Volkanovski who mowed down Chad Mendez, but Volkanovski got hit in that fight against Mendez, and then he won. Aldo's a little bit more precise. If he gets old overnight, he's going to get ran over. But if he's still Jose Aldo, I think he might stop Volkanovski in this fight. So I'm going to go with Jose Aldo. Yeah. I'm going to go with Aldo as well. Same reasons you just said. The, the guy doesn't lose non-title fights. There's only a handful, not even a handful of people who can ever say they beat Jose Aldo. It's like three fingers. Like th- This guy is on a, a different level, and he still showed it. I saw Killer Instinct Aldo. I saw, you know what? I'm not a champion. I'm not protecting a belt. Let me go get this. And he's fighting in Brazil. Oh, yeah. He's going to be amped for it. I, I say Aldo wins by stoppage as well. Um, Kananir versus Silva. This is a tough fight to pick because because <laughs> they're three and sixteen. <laughs> well, I mean, because this is the thing. Like Kananir started his career at heavyweight. Now he's a middleweight, right? And he, he knocked out David Branch, which shocked the world, and people are just now he's the favorite in this fight. But he's not really that good, and technique wise. Yeah, Anderson Silva may not be who he once was, but he stood up for three rounds against Israel Adesanya and didn't look too bad while doing it. So when it comes down to technique, Anderson Silva is still much better than Cannoneer. It's just a matter of if Anderson Silva does one of those dumb things where he tries to pull his head back to avoid a punch and he gets caught with one, he goes to sleep because Cannoneer is a heavyweight in a middleweight's body right now. Yeah. So I'm actually going to pick Anderson Silva. The only way Cannoneer wins this fight is by... He has to win in the first seven and a half minutes. If it's not the first round or the beginning of the second round, Anderson Silva's winning this fight. So I'm going to pick Anderson Silva because I think he avoids enough punishment to stay upright and just out-technique Cannonier to the decision. Man, it's tough. Uh, for the sake of disagreement and being contrarian, I'll take Cannonier. Fair. Catching Silva. Um, but, man, that, that is tough. I want Anderson to win. 
if that makes sense. Like, I, I'm rooting for him to win. And I don't often root for fighters because I really don't care. We cover it how we cover it, right? And yeah. uh, I'm rooting for him to win. And I'm hoping he wins and walks away. Uh, I don't, I don't yeah. think it happens, but I, I want that narrative. You know, I, I want Jordan hitting the face. No, I want Kobe scoring 60. People don't remember how shitty of a season that was. Because Kobe in his last game scored 60. That's all that matters. Yep. So I, I want that for Anderson. So that, but yeah, I'll pick Jared just because. Uh, Rose versus Andrade. Damn, Andrade is good. And strong. Five rounds, though. I, I think she gasses. Give me Rose. Decision. Yeah, this is this is odd, too, because Rose is the underdog in this fight. now. Because she got to survive that power. That power put your lights out in the first two. Which I, which I understand, but Rose beat the champion who was in the conversation for greatest female fighter ever. She knocked her out and then beat her by unanimous decision. Mm-hmm. Andras lost to Joanna and Jacek decisively, got pieced up in that fight. People forgot that Andrade fought for the title. It lost decisively. So my thing is, my only concern about Rose is the mental state, is the hunger. I'm not worried about the inactivity. People are like, well, she's out for 13 months. Well, in those 13 months, Andrade only fought once, and she knocked out Carolina Kovacavich in the first round. That's all Andrade has done in the whole time that Rose has been out. Rose is more of a dynamic striker. That knockout was sweet, though. It was. I think Rose is more of a dynamic striker. She may not have the power, but she uses her hands and feet very well. She's motivated because she's in Brazil. Like it's, she has that weird thing where it's like she wants to be in the most hostile of territories and be considered the underdog to pull it off. And I think Rose is she's better on the ground in terms of not wrestling, but in terms of like using her jujitsu and snaking around to get a rear naked choke. And Draz has one gear, and that's forward, and it works. She's mowed down a lot of people, but that five-round thing, like you just mentioned, I think she does gas. I think she that pressure, like if Rose starts picking her off like Joanna did, and the fight just drags in, she can't figure out how to get her to the mat, and she's tired like Joanna did, just gassed her out with strikes, Rose will win a decision. I'm picking Rose by unanimous decision. I think she has a rough first round. I think she figures it out midway through the fight. Yeah, that's a good call. I think the same thing. Uh, she's just got to avoid it. Avoid the power in the first. Survive, take her into deep waters, and I think Rose would be fine. Um, I almost moved on to wrestling after this, but Bellator has a nice little card this weekend, right? Yeah, we Woo! got Pitbull versus Chandler, which is the that's best. That's what I'll be watching. Yeah, that's what I will be watching. Uh, let's see. Let me just go back a few fights on here to make predictions. All right. Jack. Swagger versus TJ Jones. TJ Jones looks like the guy who worked at every blockbuster. The guy who just shotgun beers at like the college parties and bounced. No one knew who he was. It's just a guy who shotgun beers. Uh, this they got this kid off. I don't want to call him a kid, but they got TJ Jones just off the street. Record of one one. CM Punk is somewhere mad as hell that he didn't sign with Bellator instead of UFC. <laughs> Because <laughs> Bell- Bellator is serving them up. Um, man, so uh, Jack Swagger, first round TKO. I mean, they're, I have yeah. a better chance against Jack Swagger. Yeah, I mean, my man TJ Jones doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Like, yo, he's yeah. just, I'm here. Like, cut the check. Give me my, like, what is he making? Like $3,000 to get ran over? Yeah. yeah he, a- the, the wrestler formerly known as Jack Swagger is going to run him over. 
no Bellator problem. is not even trying to hide this. Like no. they're, they're not even trying the fake competition. I mean, uh, it's smart. Like why? I mean, look, some guys have been seasoned; and they deserve tough fights. This is Jack Swagger's second fight, so yeah, give him a can. <laughs> oh man, CM Punk is pissed. So then we have AJ McKee versus Pat Curran. McKee's the real deal. Dog, listen. High, showcase fight. Yes. Against the former champion, because Pat Curran is a former champion. And Curran's AJ, good. He's just been through some shit. He's been through some wars. Dog, I don't care what he's been through. AJ McKee is a murderer. Like, AJ McKee is the guy that kept getting overlooked. They talked about Aaron Pico. They talked about MVP. They talked about all these guys. Ed Ruth. AJ McKee is the scariest one of them all. So... I'm picking AJ McKee by stoppage. Um, punches his ticket to a featherweight title fight, if depending on how the main event goes. But AJ McKee is one of the scariest dudes in the sport. That dude is really good. Wow, yeah, just crazy athleticism. Just he's good everywhere. Um, yeah, AJ McKee by destruction. And that's just gonna be nice to see. And then in the co-main, Douglas Lima versus Michael Vedum Page. Grand Prix semifinal, please, God. This is going to be so much more exciting than a Michael Page fight the first time. Um, undefeated has never fought someone who gives him a test like this. No. I think Lima beats his ass. You might be right, but I'm going to pick MVP. You know, oh. I'm gonna get <laughs> okay. I'm going to say this is why. Like, People take a lot of stock away from MVP after the Daily fight. But Daily came in there and was like, I'm not going to strike with you. I'm going to wrestle you. Daly's not a wrestler. Fights suck. Douglas Lima is not really going to wrestle him. He's going to stand there and bang. And if he does that and takes any stock away from the, the MVP Daly fight, he's going to forget that MVP is a vicious striker and get his head knocked off. That's what I think is going to happen. I think Douglas Lima is going to come in there, look at the Daly fight. I know, I know his team will prepare him for something else. His team is like, he's a dangerous striker, blah, blah, blah. But he's, I think... He, his stock, MVP stock is down after the daily fight. Yeah, how do you not just take him down and just pummel him, though? The because guy couldn't Lima, get up from from daily. Lima's not really a wrestler. Yeah, so, daily wasn't either. He got him down. Get him down and pummel him. That, that sounds like what makes sense, but clearly MVP is going to be working on takedown defense heading into this fight. You would think. And Lima is a striker by nature, and I know daily was too, but there was like the daily fight was such a grudge match that daily wanted to win by any means necessary. And I think Lima just wants to win and win by doing what he does best, which is strike, which is going to lead to a, a shootout, which I think the, this tournament needs right now. They need some life in this tournament. So we need yeah. a shootout. Because Rory shootout. over here finding God midway through, that was unexpected. Yo, I'm just saying. So I, I think MVP goes in there and him and Lima have a nice little war. But I think MVP wins the fight. He needs a highlight reel knockout. I think he gets one. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Um, I, I think Lima. Yeah, I just I'm not high off of Page after what I saw in that fight, and he's had highlight knockouts, but it's against nobodies. I like so. it is when Adesanya fought. Um, Jesus Christ, who was it? He had that split decision. Everybody was low on Adesanya. He was like he can't. He has no takedown defense. Oh, yeah. geez. Who is who did he fight? I can't remember. <laughs> I'll look it up. But I remember that fight, and then. Yeah, he gained confidence. He got what he needed. And to his credit, he worked on his takedown defense. It was, uh, oh, yeah, Marvin Vittori. And everybody was like, who is Marvin? Uh, mm -hmm. It's all smoke and mirrors. And then Adesanya fought Brad Tavares. 
and then Adesanya knocked Derek Brunson's face off, and then <laughs> Adesanya beat Anderson. Like, they forgot. Like, that one fight, it's one fight, guys. It doesn't mean MVP's a bum. It's one fight. Adesanya looked like a human against Vittori. He was on his back a majority of the fight. And then what did he do? He came back, and he looked excellent against Tavares, and then he knocked Derek Brunson in the fucking next week. Yep. I think MVP's the same kind of fighter. People are down on him. He's going to have that knockout. He's going to remind people, like, oh, shit, that's who he is. I remember that. That'll be some shit. I can't wait to see that. Uh, and then you have the main event, champion versus champion, Michael Chandler versus Patricio Pitbull. Rivalry. Yeah. Um, I'm not betting against Michael Chandler. No. Look, man. Pitbull this, this- got heart. But, ooh, you're a little out of your class. Like, the Chandler versus the Pitbulls beef has been a long run. It's not like a feud, like, competitive. These guys hate each other. <laughs> like, Chandler knocked his brother in the next week. It's one of the highlight knockouts that they show all the time. Mm. They, you know, they've talked about steroids. They hate each other's guts. But Pitbull's coming up to fight Chandler. And... I just don't see how Chandler loses this fight. Like, Chandler had one rough patch in his career. The Will Brooks fights, and I think it was the Eddie Alvarez coming off the Eddie Alvarez loss. And then he had the Brett Primus when he injured himself. And he still um, almost beat Primus on one right, leg because Primus wouldn't kick the leg. And, and Chandler's, he might be, well, I think now that we got Asker in the UFC, he's the best fighter not in the UFC. Oh, the yeah. Be- and, and, well, Primus team. looked great last week, too, by the way. Let me not. Yeah, he looked great in his last fight. But but that that lends credence to the point that Michael Chandler is probably right now he's the best fighter who hasn't fought in the UFC. And I think this fight with Pitbull, like, yeah, it's a grudge match, but I think an incensed Chandler is going to beat the brakes off of him. It'll be fun though because Pitbull comes like the younger, the, the smaller Pitbull really comes to fight. They're going to fight. But... Oh, they're going to bang. Yeah, there's there's no easy one. Like there, someone might lose a limb. Like those leg kicks, the everything. It's going to be a striking clinic. I hope it goes the distance. Blood, everything. I don't even want a stoppage. It should be an excellent fight. Well, one way or another, we're going to have a great fight. I just think Chandler's going to win. Chandler, I think Chandler wins, and that puts Pitbull in a tough spot because he goes back to the featherweight division where AJ McKee will be waiting for him to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. tough. It's a rock. Like, Pitbull kind of Rock in a hard place. Yeah, one way or another, you're going to get, like, if you beat Chandler, then you can sit there and hang out in the lightweight division and be like, God, good, I don't have to see that guy. Yep. At least for a year, you put it you put it behind you for a second until they make you defend that belt. Yeah, stay away. But uh, I don't see that happening. Yeah, man. So uh, talking about pro wrestling real quick is not much to talk about because I mean, it there's sucks. A, yeah, there's yeah. there's a, a ton we could talk about, but WWE. Yeah, man. Worst weekly ratings in the history of the company. Um, the locker rooms in disarray. Tons of people are allegedly requesting a release. Uh, you have people not on television. The people that are on television are like four segments in two days. No storyline to make sense. Uh, is it time for Vince and company to panic? I mean, shit, they're already panicking. That's what led to yeah, this. Well, but is I it time for them to just suck it up and say, no, we actually have to fix this? They don't know how, right? I think the, the problem is, is that they are panicking. That's why this isn't working. I think the problem is that they were panicking when they were scooping up all this talent, having no idea what to do with them. Yeah. I think, I think panic has turned into fran- being frantic now because now their booking decisions are just like this whole wild card thing undermines everything that they did. You remember that time 
when Shane, Triple H, and Stephanie showed up on TV and was like, we're going to give you guys a chance. Yep. Everybody's going to get a chance. That you last guys one- are going to decide what we do. The fans are going to decide. Do that yeah, out the window in two weeks. No, we saw Sanity for a week, and then we never saw him again. It was like, they're, they're, they're in the spot now, like, everything after WrestleMania sucked. Like, I literally spent my day while working, watching, catching up on Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and NXT UK. NXT UK is probably the best show that they have right now. Yeah. But because, they have continuous storylines that make sense. Right. Like, nothing makes sense. Like, every, everything from the fall of WrestleMania sucks everything sucks and it doesn't make any sense like Kofi versus Kevin Owens I understand why they're doing it and they have to have a program before money in the bank for Kofi but it didn't it there was nothing there like we all knew this was going to happen and it's like whatever and this is probably the only few that I'm mildly interested in because I really like Kevin Owens and we all love Kofi but AJ versus Rollins like what there's nothing on that feud no. nothing it's just going to give us a good match, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, this whole Becky Lynch thing has been her- handled terribly. Terribly. It's probably the, the worst two feuds you can throw into. A rehash of a feud we've seen a million times, and then one against someone who doesn't deserve it. Right, but, like, the program itself has been bad. The promos haven't been good. Nothing has been good about either of those feuds for Becky Lynch. Like... We just had uh, Rowan and Daniel Bryan win the tag champions against the Usos who were on Raw yeah. and become the SmackDown tag champions. This is the sorry state of pro wrestling right now. Well, the WWE. This is bad, 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 bad. There's nothing good. Money in the bank. I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. Nothing on here. Is, I don't care about anything on this card. Nothing. It all sucks. Like, have, have the Iconics defended, even talked about defending the titles lately? No, I haven't even seen them. They're, I mean, like, they're building up a whole different tag team feud. Iconics aren't even involved in. Like, what like What are we doing? I think and they're building be- up Asuka and the Pirate Princess maybe to be the foil to the Iconics next. Maybe. Oh, okay. let's be clear. I absolutely hate Paige with Asuka and Kairi Sane. I think this is the most ridiculous Vince thing ever. Yeah. It's just it's like they can't speak English. Like, no, Vince, she, she's been champion before. She's, she's got promos. Dog, this is this is so 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 bad. Like I can't, and I keep saying this: double or nothing is happening at the right time. Like if there was no better time for AEW's double or nothing to happen, it'd be it's right now because the WWE sucks, and now they're panicking because they don't want their talent to go to AEW. They got the Saudi Arabia card that's gonna have a bunch of wrestlers that we don't see regularly on television, so there's no reason to continue any storylines. So that sucks. NXT. Look, they have a, a, a pay-per-view in Connecticut in June, and we don't even have, like, clear angles. Like, this whole undisputed area of feuding. Like, what? I don't dog, I don't care. What are we doing? The only thing I do care about is what I just watched in New Japan over the weekend. And, I look, guys, I know. Chris Jericho doesn't really deserve a title fight against Okada. We know that. But I don't care. I want to see it. I want to see Jericho versus Okada. I want to see... Uh, like the evil Ishii fight, that's how you have some <laughs> Like those are the matches that I want to see. Yeah. The, the debut of El Phantasmo, that's how you do it. Phantasmo looked phenomenal in that match. New Japan, totally fine. Like as much as they talk about AEW and WWE, as long as I still got New Japan, I'm good. But WWE's trash. Right now, this is the worst it's been in a long time. Oh, easily. Um, and one of our most talented rosters. And just horrible mismanagement. And this is me. I'm 
I'm the optimist of the group. No, they're they're doing shitty right now. Like it's not. I I can't even watch it live. I don't even try. Like I watch it on Hulu if I can, or I watch their YouTube recap, or like nah, I'm not putting the time into that. I'd rather plan our live shows. Like when you when you're watching it, like what what is exciting? Like is there anything that you're like, man, that that may be good. Like SmackDown had two good matches that I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I I'm gonna go you know fetch out these matches and watch them. <laughs> and what but were those I, matches? Uh, the triple threat at the end, which made no sense. I understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Kofi and two Raw superstars. In AJ, who is currently beefing with the Raw champion, and uh, Sami Zayn, who didn't deserve a title. So really, you knew from the onset, neither of them were going to win. And then I liked Almas versus Ali. Cool matches. I wish Almas Ali had a better feud brewing. Um, Maybe some story plot. But uh, yeah, they don't want to give them talking time to build a feud. They'd rather just throw people from Raw and SmackDown over. So Sami Zayn had a promo on Monday, had a promo to open the show on Tuesday, and then wrestled the main event on Tuesday. Like, I don't, I don't understand any of this. Like I, I watch yeah. it, and I'm, I'm just, I, I just say to myself, it's like there's no continuity whatsoever. Like to have AJ fight for the title on SmackDown makes little sense, right? And then they use it as a vehicle to have Kevin Owens beat up Xavier Woods at the end. Now we all know that the, the the feud is Kevin Owens and Kofi, but why? What are we doing? Like this whole AJ Rollins thing has no juice. It has none, and that pay per view is next week. It's next week, they, and then it's like then they go into the Saudi Arabia thing, so they got to build towards that for a bunch of storylines that don't matter. But it's like across the board because if you're NXT, you can hardly plan three months out because you look at NXT and you're like, I don't know if any of these guys are going to be here in three months. Vince might spaz out and call the entire roster up. Because mm-hmm. the Viking Raiders, what? It's like they showed up on NXT to go get the titles that they forgot they had. And then <laughs> the Forgotten Sons came and beat them up. It was like, oh, you guys have those titles. Because they clearly have not even mentioned that they're the NXT ch- champions on Raw at all. They haven't said nothing about it. It's bizarre. The whole Lars Sullivan thing, completely stupid. This guy's coming out here just beating people up. Why? When they did this brand split and they, they did this whole superstar shakeup, which was horrible, they, I, I don't know who looked at it and was like, yo, we got like three tag teams on SmackDown and all the women are on SmackDown. And then we got all the tag teams on Raw and there are no women on Raw. Who booked this shit? Vince just throwing shit out of the wall and people having to say yes. Right? It's like, bad. And they changed so many of the writers. And then you look and you wonder, it's like, did he just get rid of everyone who said, yo, this shit is shit? Like, it, it, this is whack. And then he was like, no, you out of here. Like, did he bring in other yes men? I'm just wondering what's going on here. And, it's like, to be clear, like, a lot of people say, oh, you always shitting on the WWE. It's like people say that to me. But I'm like, I don't see, like, I think the talent is amazing. Like, they have assembled one of the greatest rosters of all time. And that's what's so disappointing about it. Because I don't care about any of the storylines. There's nobody right now that can convince me that this Becky Lynch, Lacey Evans feud is what I need to see right now. When you have Oscar Kyrie saying, you have Ember Moon, you have Bailey, Sasha, wherever she is, and you mean to tell me the first feud you put Becky Lynch in is with Lacey Evans, who is trash in the ring, and her promos are trash? There's, you can't defend this. And then she's facing Charlotte. Why? Again? Like, it, it'd be fine if it's like backlash. They do that one little backlash match. But it's yeah. like, if you look at what happened at WrestleMania, everybody lost at WrestleMania just pretty much disappeared. Brock, see you later. Don't even mention him anymore. Ronda Rousey, not really. Don't say nothing about her. Like, 
even the Samoa Joe Ray Mysterio feud, I'm looking at it like, why is this happening? Yeah. Didn't he already, he like crushed him at WrestleMania. And then you bring his son along, and then one week he's there, and then one week he's not. I don't understand what we're doing here. I don't understand any of this. Like, Braun Strowman being the money in the bank. Can this man climb a ladder to get the title? I mean, to get the briefcase? He's already done this one time. Why is he in the match again? Like, we're clearly watching this match because we're going to watch Ricochet, Andrade, and Ali fly around the ring. That's it. And none of them are going to win. No. It'll be Randy Orton. And then why did we repackage Bobby Roode as Robert Roode and gave him the same gimmick that he had in NXT but gave him a lumberjack mustache? Then <laughs> you have him beat Ricochet for reasons unknown, and then he loses the next week. Yeah, you, so like, okay, then have him beat Ricochet and get into the match. Nope. He loses. Still not in the Money in the Bank match. So why? So my, my complaint here, like some like, you know, we talked in the group chat that was, like, I think Justin said it was okay. It's not okay that... Robert Rude goes over on Ricochet and then does nothing with it. Like, in order to build him as a heel, have him beat up the other 200 members of the roster that don't get any TV time. Have Robert Rude go and beat up Titus O'Neil or Apollo Crews. Or, like, build your way as a heel and start beating up people. But why are you beating a guy that's on the cusp at, like, Ricochet? Ricochet don't need that loss. Why did they even do 50-50 booking? They didn't do nothing for Rude's character because of that. It did nothing. Man, and ugly. I guarantee you next week he'll do nothing. And that, we got the Miz and Shane feud, but it's like, whatever, I don't care. It looks like Shane's feud with Roman Reigns. What are we doing? It's trash. Yeah, it, it's not good. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's not looking good. And then, like you said, AEW's around the corner. They keep making signings and uh, all indications that they're inking this Turner deal next Wednesday. They'll be announced. Uh, TNT, it looks like. Yeah, they're that's, up front. Yeah, man, that's... Uh, that's the WCW model. Like, if you want to compete, shit. I mean, you're taking right steps. So I just think we'll see. I, just, I don't even know if they'll be WCW. Like, I look at it like, if if they're smart, they 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 just do their own thing. Like, that's what I hope. I I hope they are better impact. I, I like, hope they take what's best from ROH and bring it to a bigger scale with more money. Like one thing Cody told me at the, uh, the AEW press conference for Double or Nothing was that. In this company, wins and losses are going to matter. And I don't know like, if people understand how much that means, but that, that's, that'll have a lot of significance if it holds true. If they treat this like sports, like, yo, you had a five-match five winning streak. You, you, might in line, yeah, yeah. Like you might line for a title shot. That makes sense. That, that, I mean, that makes you interested in the matches. because then people they, have to lose. Which I'm fine with. Like Some people could, like, look, you can't win every match, but I need those titles to carry some weight. Yeah. I need, I, like, if you're going to be the champ of something, it needs to, like, the contender needs to make sense. Now, in New Japan, again, Jericho doesn't necessarily need to be in there for Okada, but I don't care. I'm giving it a pass because I want to see that match. Yep. But in AEW, if you're doing weekly programming on TNT and you have a model where wins and losses actually matter, and you can't be a guy who lost 10 matches in a row and all of a sudden, like, Sami Zayn, find yourself in the title picture, I'm intrigued. Yep. It at least builds investment to watch every week, right? Exactly. So if you, you have a guy who's 8-0 and and then another guy who's 7-2 and and they're battling for the spot, they're cool. Like, you, you want to see the best two go at it. Like, man, we watch these guys just win, win, win every week. And he's, only, he's only lost the guy who's 8-0. and What's going on here? And then they got to battle it out for that last spot, and he finally overcomes the 8-0. And, and that guy's 8-1. That's pretty dope. Like, every yeah. week you're invested. Like, their storyline, it makes sense. 
yeah, I'm here for it. So, I mean, we still got time, but we'll see. But like I said, it's coming at the right time. WWE, man, stop if, paying attention to the competition. Just yeah. Fix shit. Just put your blinders on, fix in-house, and make this fucking roster work. It's too many people to just be sitting around doing nothing. EC3. So it's just they they got to fix it, man. Um, that's our show for this week, though, Dre. It was a good one. Tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, make sure, like we said at the beginning of the show, you guys go out, buy tickets for our Thursday show, Downtown Las Vegas, Nerd Bar, Corner of Friends. Uh, tickets are available on Eventbrite. Check all our social media platforms for the flyer, for the link. You guys go out there. Please show us support. We appreciate it. Uh, tickets are $15, $20 at the door. Uh, cool VIP options for 30 bucks. So you guys really want to show support. This is how you guys do it. We're going to put on one hell of a show for you that night. And then recently announced StarCast show, Saturday, May 25th, free and open to the public. So if you buy a ticket on Thursday, you get two shows for one, pretty much. Um, it's going to be great. We're, by the time you guys listen to this, if you're listening Friday morning, you guys will be gearing up or might have already seen our announcement of the lineup that we'll have there so make sure you check for that on social media friday afternoon we'll be posting who's going to be our guest for the starcast show and that's going to be really exciting um outside of that follow us on social media at the corner lsn on all platforms me at kel dansby him at andreas hale wow that's a mouthful check out the patreon for now we're out peace for the one standing guard for the eagle-eyed for the knights in shining armor and for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.